good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Neighbors Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible. And with me, as always, are the people that make the Neighbors Livecast neighborish, uh, starting with our resident feminine energy, uh, personal trainer, meal prep chef, and fitness guru, Miss Fruitfit yeah. herself, Patrice Jones. She's chilling tonight. How you doing, P? I'm doing good. Thank you. Good to be here. Miss y'all. Yeah, man. I know you've been grinding with the with the meal prep. How's it going? Oh man, so busy. I got one eye open right now. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, busy is good. That means you're making money. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little something. A little, a little something. something. And my brother, my man, hundred grand, just Mike. What's up, brother? Y'all, good to see y'all. Definitely, definitely. And we have a great show for y'all today. Yes, we do. Because um, our guest today, I first met uh, today's guest uh, when one of our good friends, Ralph Cooper, invited us to RFD to see his, his comedy show. He was running the room there. Uh, this gentleman got up on stage, his poise and his confidence uh, uh, stood out. And it's something that I uh, really noticed and paid attention to. Um, so when you're working toward being good at something, one of the most useful pieces of advice you'll ever get is to find someone who does what you're trying to do at a level at or above what you're trying to do it at. And with that being said, ever since I've met this dude, I followed him on social media and paid attention because as an actor and as a comedian, he's doing a lot of things that I aspire to do. And, and, and it's dope to see him uh, working so much and doing what he does. You can see him now on, uh, let me see, what is it? Reels Network on season two, episode two of Geraldo's Murder in the Family, where he's playing Bill Cosby. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Frank James. He's here with us today. And look, I just do that out there. because, <laughs> But it's, 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 it's- Hey, told you we're winging it, we're winging right. it. Yeah, what I mean- Dave, thank you, bro, for that intro, man. It was very nice, home. I love it. No Mike, problem. Mike, what's up, Holmes? Patrice, how you doing? Hi, how are you? Look, Good. man, uh, like I said, man, I know you're a busy dude, so I really appreciate you making time to come uh, hang out with us tonight. I'm really excited to talk to you about your journey, you know, you. Um, you know, things you've been through and, and um, things that you can share with us. But first, it's a couple of things going on in the city, in the country, in the world uh, that we need to talk about, um, and we're going to talk about them now. Um, like I was saying to you before we started, I like to try to keep the, the mood and the tone of this show light you know and, and fun yeah. and definitely purposeful uh because we like to make a fun environment for our, our viewers but every now and again there's certain things that go on that happen that we need to address and talk about and um uh, i wanted to talk about something that I, uh something that happened and then something that i saw in the wake of it so um just after 11 p.m uh last friday night on the 2900 block of uh, martin luther king avenue not too far from where i am right now there was a shooting and that's you know Sadly, that's not a big, you know, news report. There's a lot of shootings, but in this particular shooting, you know, five people were wounded and, and one person unfortunately um, passed away. And that person was a six-year-old little girl by the name of Naya Courtney. And, um, you know, I'm not a news reporter, but the reason I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is because in the wake of that, um, I, there's a, a process that people go through with mourning uh, with anger and pain and different things like that. And on social media, I noticed that a lot of people, you know, um, in expressing that were saying things to the effect of, you know, uh, where's the energy that, that we show when police are killing black people and why don't they do, 
you know, show the same uh, uh, effort and 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 anger toward this when black people are killing each other. And um, you know, uh, like I said, I get it. There is a certain amount of anger and you know and different emotions that you deal with. But the bottom line is uh, to say that we aren't as outraged when you know it's a black person killing someone. It's just not true. And so um, to to illustrate that fact, it, it made me think about um, two years ago. When the reason this show is called Neighborish is because um, my original co-host, Jay Sun, lives right next door to me. And so we were neighbors and that's how we came up with the show. Right behind our house is an apartment complex and a group of apartments uh, known as uh, Cedar Gardens. And in 2020, actually July 4th, 2020, a young man by the name of Devon McNeil was uh, 12 years old. He was murdered. Um, much in the same way that this young lady was, he was out there minding his business and was hit by a stray bullet. And so um, in the wake of that, my co-host, my big homie, Jay Sun, instead of, you know, um, uh, uh, talking about stuff, he set in motion uh, the, the events to create an organization that's known as Cedar United. And what Cedar United is, is a community outreach and mentoring organization for young people. And so the reason I'm telling y'all this is because um, all of those posts I say, they, they started to bother me because, um, you know, people put more effort into talking about the issue than actually doing things and moving on and, and, and trying to make a change. And this is something that um, that a friend of mine is doing to really try to make a change. Is it the answer? I don't know, but it's something. And so I'm saying that to say Cedar United is an organization. Um, their, their website is cedarunited.com, cedar, C-E-D-A-R, United. Dot com. Uh, their email is onecedarunited at gmail.com. Um, if you go to the website, they have a phone number, they have a donations link. If, look, if nothing else, you know, you can give money, but if you don't have money to give, you can, you can talk to them, you can give your time, you can donate time to mentor youth in this area, in this neighborhood, uh, to, to uh, help. They have mentoring programs for little girls and boys from seven years and up. And they do everything from job training to tutoring to sports and athletics to health and fitness to, you know, and it's just something to put something else in these kids heads besides all the stuff that they're being bombarded with on a regular basis. Um, you know, um, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm preaching, but I just wanted to give an alternative to all those people that I see that say, you know, um, Where's the energy and where's the outrage and all that it's there and we turning it into action and so and we and but we need help. So mm -hmm. instead of typing and talking about it, let's help. Y'all mm -hmm. go to cedarunited.com. If you can't donate money, everybody don't have money. You can give some time. You can give some, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to get too preachy. And I don't want to uh, move on without giving you guys an opportunity to comment if anybody had anything to say about it. But that's that was my piece. I just wanted to speak my piece. Well, first, I want to give, you know, my condolences to the people who were injured over the weekend during that shooting, man. That is just so ridiculous. Right. I don't know what to say, but it's just ridiculous. And it breaks my heart to see that, especially when it's our own people doing the shooting. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. But with that being said, I agree. If you have money, please donate to the cause if you have it. If not, your time and energy. In my opinion, you can probably do more good if you don't have money to go to a young brother that you know, one of your neighbors, and say, yo, Holmes, please, if you have a gun, 
give it to me. Let me turn it in because you don't need a gun because violence will never be the answer. Only education. I know it sounds like a broke record, but we don't educate our people about the senselessness of violence. Our lives are not going to change. It's always going to be this way until we as Black people change that attitude. But it's very difficult to do that when, you know, there is so much institutional racism in the system and it's keeping our people down. So if you're in poverty and you need money, you may seek violent means to get money. But if you were educated, then you would work at a normal, decent job and not try to earn money on the streets. That's the only thing I can say. On the lighter side, I'm sure the young ladies and all these people getting shot because it was a stray bullet. To me, if we were gonna allow people to have guns, train them how to damn shoot. Target practice, damn it, geez. This is random, no, target practice. If you're gonna shoot somebody, please, target practice. Don't be shooting randomly. Oh my God. I'll try to make a joke of that. Didn't go well, did it, guys? <laughs> no, it's actually, um, if I can interject, you're, exact, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, people of other nationalities, they take their children to the, the gun range. And they, they, they're, you know, nine and 10 years old and they know how to handle a weapon. Um, you know, of course, there's so many other things that can be done outside of, you know, weapons. Um, you know, communication, you know, family structure, you know, getting these, these, these households together. That's, that's number one, but you're exactly right. Like so many of these young people have weapons that make them feel empowered because they don't know that they harness, they have the power themselves. And so they're looking for power externally and they pick up a gun that they don't know how to use because it makes them feel empowered and they end up hurting people that they didn't even um, intend on hurting. So I definitely don't disagree with what you said. I think more, I think more people, um, more, more people should be armed and know how to use a weapon that than not. So to shoot randomly, it just, uh, it's, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's very upsetting. Cedar United. Yeah. Cedar United. And, uh, let me, your minutes here. So yeah, uh, I, I said I said that because I mean we we're talking about the problem, yeah. <clears throat> but but the reason why Jay not doing this as much is because he's part of the, he's part of the solution. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean. And, uh, yeah. Definitely. So like I said, Cedar United. The the email is the number one Cedar United C E D A R United U N I T E D at gmail dot com. Uh, the website is cedarunited.com. Uh, they even have a phone number of 571-526-8612. You can reach out to them any way you need to. Um, um, and, and what Mike said is kind of the key of, of what I was trying to convey, which is let's, you know, put more energy into. So I, I'm, I'm, this year for me has been more about being solution-based. Like we spend a lot of time dwelling on problems as opposed to you know, uh, working, if we spent as much time working on solutions as we did dwelling on problems, you know, um, we'd be a lot better off, uh, basically. Amen, brother. So, um, that's, uh, that, 
we're trying to be a part of the solution. And this organization is definitely making strides. Like check out the website, there's some videos on there and pictures and things of, of some of the good that they're doing in, in these neighborhoods. And um, I just think it's uh, something that we need to help grow. So yeah, check them out. Um, uh, give some money if you can. If you can't, like I said, time and energy is always, uh, you know, uh, respected and appreciated. What's up, Mike? You don't have to raise your hand. There's, 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 no, real there's no real joke to follow this, this topic of conversation. So you're going to swing it around some. You're lighting up somehow, they Lighten the shit up, Dave. Okay. Um, you talking uh, about a little uh, baby getting killed? I tried to, but it failed. Right. <laughs> it's, that's not, it's, it's, how do you lighten? I don't, there's nothing to lighten up when you're talking about a little girl. I know. Playing, and yeah, then there's, other, there's other elements to that. You know what I'm saying? It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm a parent of uh, four. I have three girls and a boy. I live in the suburbs and my children are outside 11 o'clock at night. But I also have stayed in the hood and lived in the hood from the hood. And I've been outside one, two, three o'clock in the morning of my damn self when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's real. And it's, if Cedar United is a start, let that be the start. Let that be the platform. Let that be the catapult. Conversations like this, hardworking people. You know, Ms. Trees, you're a good mama. You know what it's like. How old is your boy? Yeah, he's my young man to be 16, his birthday. And um, I, um, so I have a, a, I do another little side thing outside of this, and outside of the meal prep and outside of training. And I'm in contact with youth all day long and the parents and the grandmothers. And I, I'm going to try to keep this, uh, you know, appropriate and, and not say too much. Do but what you do, man. To, no, because I want to keep it, like you said, solution-based. We have to start um, not just being solution-based, but start checking these young people and even checking the parents. And when I say checking them, I mean, if you see something, say something. Remember back in the day, we had the orange hats that roamed in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, if I see a young man come up to me and he has his pants below his butt, I'll say, hey, son, you're about to lose your pants. You know, do you know what that means? You might want to pull your pants up, especially you have young ladies behind you. And he'll say, yes, ma'am, thank you. I appreciate you. You know, you, we don't say anything anymore because we're so fearful. We have to start check. We have to start checking our youth and, and the parenting. And we can do it in a loving way. If we move in love and gratitude, we can do it. Now, will it change the whole family dynamic overnight? Of course not. But we have to start being accountable with these families and these children. We, ha we have to start checking each other and, and holding each other accountable, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because we, we stopped doing that. Somewhere along the line, we were, fi we were fearful and we, we stopped doing that. And so now everybody's running them up. And, you know, organizations like Jay's are cleaning, you know, cleaning things up in a sense, meaning like he's, you know, he's, he's, cleaning up the, the part where some of the families that maybe didn't know any better have, you know, for lack of a better term, failed. And, and I don't, I, don't, I know that's not the right word, but um, I think if, you know, we, we got to start checking each other. That's all. I, I see too much stuff happen in, in what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about social media, I'm talking about in the position that I told you that I'm in and nobody says anything. And, you know, we got to start saying something we got to start because a lot of times 
they're look, these these young men that are that are randomly shooting. They're looking for guidance, and and you know some people will say, you know, oh they they're too far gone. You don't know that. We haven't tried. You know, we gotta try. You know, my point what exactly, is, Patrice. Yeah. You have to pull up, young man. Come to me. Sit. Let's talk. Yeah. You have yeah. to do that. Sometimes it have to be one on one. If I can yeah. pick back on something, I know what I'm about to say is going to piss off some people. Oh, we like that kind of stuff here. We did not. <laughs> but in my opinion, some of it is just like you said, Patrice, it's bad parenting. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Because mm -hmm. today, in my opinion, parents are trying to be more like friends to their children and not the grown-ups in the room. Because right. I, I don't understand. You cannot be your child's best friend. That sounds kind of weird. You have to be the adult in the room. And sometimes that takes some discipline and mm -hmm. I'm talking about spanking. Let's, mm -hmm. I'm gonna take you to that because in my opinion, when I grew up, parents did that. Mm -hmm. They did it with loving care. They would spank you and punish you if you did something wrong. And mm -hmm. if you did something wrong in school, you get your butt paddled there too and it was okay. Mm -hmm. And to me, we need to go, I hate to say it, but we need to go back to that. I know I'm mm -hmm. getting a lot of hate. Punishment, sir? Yes, we need to go back to that. Because in my opinion, you have to strike a little bit of fear and respect in your kids. Because you have to be the adult in the room and just say, no, son, daughter, you're not going to do that. I'm not your best friend. I'm your parent. So let me just interject. And I, I have heard this a lot. And I will say this as a parent of my son is almost six feet tall and he's almost 16. He's a 12 shoe. My son has the utmost respect for me, but I have never in my life touched my son and I've barely raised my voice in him. But it is that fear that you speak of, but that fear can come from just communication and your child respecting you so much that they wouldn't even think to do certain things. Now, don't get me wrong. My son ain't perfect. I'm pretty sure he's cussed a little bit and done some things that I don't know about. But there, there's a different level. I, I can't, I wish I could tell y'all some stories. Some of them are just so heartbreaking that I've seen over the past couple of weeks. Um, with this, just a disrespect. I'm talking about 14 and 15 year, year olds cussing just you know, me having to say, um, excuse me, you know, do you do you all cuss at your mom, cuss around your mom like that? And all of them saying, yes, we do. And I say, exactly. well, I'm, and but yeah. I'll say, yeah. but then I say, well, I'm a young lady and I'm, I have a son that's not too far from your age. Can you do me a favor and respect me and respect yourself and not use those words? And they'll say, oh, and they'll apologize. But it just goes, it, it tells me that it's going on at home and it's, it's allowed and then and you're they're reciprocating they're doing exactly what they see and so it takes me back to exactly what I was saying that we got to start like for instance if Dave had a child and his child was around me and he was cussing and doing all of these things or smoking or whatever I would check that young man and then I would say Dave I checked your young man and something needs to go on, but we will have a conversation. People don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Patricia, make it my point, because they're doing yeah. it. <laughs> the parents are allowing them to do that, trying to be their best friend. That is just craziness. You're the parent, that's been an adult in the room. Believe me, 
if I ever brought my parents, I'm saying like 12, and I said, you son of a, before I can say bitch, pow! <laughs> that's it. And I said, okay, I can't say that. Uh, no, I can't say that. And they didn't, you know, abuse me. They just kept my ass in check. And believe me to this day, I raised my grandchildren the same way. And trust me, right now, there are young men and women and they are doing very well at me at. We're the adults, you're the child, end of discussion. Just telling you a fun, a real, a funny story real quick. I don't want to go too far left day, but I just want to okay. share this. Just the other day, my son said, Ma, I have some friends who um, they were cussing. I was at their house and they were cussing around their parents. And I was like, what? They was cussing around their parents? And he said, yeah. He said, can I? He said, they're cool, Ma. You think I can cuss around you? I said, go ahead and try, Jay. So he <laughs> took both of his hands and said, and grabbed my forearms. He said, let me hold your arms first. <laughs> and we laughed so hard because he knew yeah. that wasn't well, going to fly with me. Yeah. You know, um, and I know we're going way left, but just back to the point, Dave, I, you know, I know, you know, we're solution-based and we're talking, but I think part of the solution is that even if, even if the four of us individually, um, quote unquote, check people that we know that we see their children doing certain things or we see them as parents doing wild things around their child that, that we know is inappropriate and we pull them to the side respectfully and say, hey, um, just as your friend, I just wanted to come to you or hey, um, young man or young lady, this is what da 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 da. We would, all the four of us, make an impact. You know what I mean? Just individually in our own spaces. And I think if we all did that as a collective over time, we make... The point is to make an have an in, some sort of impact on the world, and that would be our impact if we if we all did that. So that's all. That's all I got to say. Okay. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I definitely agree with you committing yourself to um, to trying to make a better place to to working toward, like you said, like or like we were saying, being solution based. And so in that, um, you know, approaching people, I, I it's it's. Uh, such a crazy world right now though there's so much going on that it you know um you don't know what you might come in contact with you know approaching people like i've seen situations uh you know where i'm where i am on this side the safeway up the street from me i was just standing in line and the young lady was cussing out her, her daughter and an older gentleman was standing behind her and he's like look young lady you, you can you know discipline your child but you don't have to talk to her you know, like that, so heavily, like, I mean, calling her all kind of MFs and all this stuff, and, mm -hmm. you know, and I even, I look, I'm thinking about the child, but I couldn't even say, well, you know what I'm saying, that's just how I was raised, I don't, you know, around the baby, but, uh, but yeah, just calling her all kind of, you know, and the guy said, and her uh, angry tirade turned it over, man, and she cussed him up one side and down the other, this is my child, and you can't tell me what this, blah, 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 this, don't worry about how I raise my kids and stuff and all that, and so, you know, um, well, I do agree with the idea of holding people accountable. It's like, how much does it really do? You know, is, is it, uh, do you think it be, uh, can be effective? So you when know? I when I was saying it, I'm, I meant in our space. So like somebody that you know, like that, 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 <laughs> that situation is a, like some, a stranger. So when I was talking, remember I was talking about the young people. So like the, the young man that had his pants falling down or the young men that were cursing, 
you know, and I talk to them respectfully and I say, you know, I'm going to respect you and I, I ask that you respect me. But if you're in a, if you're out and you see a parent doing that, you're never going to, the parent has learned from their parent and they're passing it to the child in five seconds, you're not going to change their life. Okay. But like somebody like, for instance, like I said, you know, if I saw your child out days or, you know, somebody that I know, and I've done this before that if I had a girlfriend who maybe dresses her young lady inappropriately, or, you know, I might say, Hey, sis, that's, you know, that's a, Ooh, wow. You gonna let her wear that? You know, maybe, you know, maybe have a conversation, those sorts of things, like in our own personal space, like we don't even have to be um, so far removed, so removed from the, con the situation that we are a total stranger. I'm talking about like having an impact in our own lives within, like, that's why I said just the four of us, just, just in who, who we know, you know what I mean? Like it's, we have to start somewhere um, close and intimate because when you come at a stranger like that, like an adult, it, it rarely goes well. Like it yeah, rarely goes yeah. well. And that, that, that older gentleman <laughs> found out. He caught it. Way. Didn't go well for him. But, but what were you going to say, Mike? Go ahead. I'm going to say, if, if, if Frank woke up to me and asked you for my gun, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> so, moreover, if, if I had been in the store, my little girl was two, and she runs down the aisle with both arms out, snatching down all kinds of stuff. And I, I scurried over to her, got, got in her business and said, look, what's wrong with you? And the lady in the um, maternity ward section behind the counter was like, you don't talk to her like that. No, I, I went on that lady, something terrible. I, I'm, at the time, I am about 24 months in uh, to a child who's two, and I'm probably about eight months into a custody situation where she's mine. She, I had, you know, my baby mother and I were together, so here I am, a single father of a little girl, and I'm, I'm doing my job. And lady, you tell me what I should. None of my children run to the damn store snatching down shit. No, <laughs> and so I understood where she was coming from. I went back to her and I said, "Look, I apologize." But in that moment, this is my child, and so like you said, the stranger thing is one thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also been. You know, my, my wife's mom, we were walking back to the bowling alley, she was like, Mike, you cuss a lot. She's like, you cuss too much. You know, why you cuss? You, you're not cussing at the kids, but you're cussing around the kids. And I'm like, I, I, I realize she's right. That's what I was raised up in. And uh, it's not good. I can I can speak pretty well. I can um, be um, eloquent if I so choose. But sometimes, fuck it up, you know, just appeals to me. It is what it is. <laughs> it, it is and that's just in me. And so... Raising the kids, it's so much to unpack, you know what I'm saying? Raising the kids and you're trying to communicate what's right, what's wrong. Uh, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Let's keep it moving. That's Why are we so dark and dim? The <laughs> it's the raining day. It's not raining. The mic summed it all up. I appreciate that. Um, I do want to, you know, we talked about this for a little while. Before we get into the interview, I did want to acknowledge a couple of folks. Uh, first of all, um, of course, we lost a titan in the entertainment industry uh, this past weekend. Uh, Marcel Theo Hall, also known yeah. as Biz Marquis, uh, passed away on uh, July 16th um, after complications from diabetes had him, you know, um, sick. And then it was a crazy situation because a couple of weeks ago, they were reporting that he had passed away um, falsely. You know, somebody got some bad information, and then they ran with it. 
And so now that kind of adds to, you know, a lot of what's going on. But um, we had a conversation, um, Frank, uh, the, the week that DMX passed away, we had, uh, we were lucky enough to have Joe Claire on the oh, show. And, like, yeah. and it, was, it was a good show. Um, and uh, we were just talking about um, the impact of hip hop and DMX, seeing the outpouring of, of love and support and things that everybody was uh, doing. And the same thing for like, because, so Biz Marquis, of course, was born in New York, I want to say in Queens. Uh, but he, yeah, but he stayed in Baltimore in this area. And so we'd see him around different places. Uh, you know, I've run into him a number of times. Um, and so you can, you kind of forget, but like, you know, um, with him passing and just the, um, seeing all of the people from like ice tea to, uh, yes. to ice cube to, uh, um, the, the public enemy to all of the people who said that they started out with him, you know, they toured. Mm -hmm with him in those early days when he was making, you know, mega hits, like, you know, just a friend and things like that. You kind of forget, but uh, just his impact and his influence on uh, hip hop as a, as a music genre and then the entire culture over the, you know, like, I don't know if there's anybody um, in any hood in America or in anywhere in America that doesn't know uh, you, you got what I need. You know, <laughs> you know so, it, man. Come yeah, on. And so <laughs> just, uh, just that impact, just like I say, he's such a, such a titan and, 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 and such a good dude, like, um, you know, uh, charitable and, 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 and polite and, and you know um, he had that uh, that queens in him. So he was a real nigga, but he was, <laughs> but he was, he was a good guy, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge the, acknowledge that and the, uh, the the big hole that's left. And it's been, you know, yes. we've lost a, a a couple of people over the past couple of months, and so so it's been tough. And so this and this is a big one. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to keep the, you know, talk about it all myself. You guys have any talk about more death, Dave? Like, well, hey, look, man. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, look. I mean, but I did want to acknowledge. Uh, you know, so I won't talk about the uh, the other six people that no, no, but um, but no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just did want to acknowledge Biz because uh, you know, like I say, he's a huge part of the same industry, and uh, and 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 um, you know, deserves that acknowledgement. So, uh, yes, so, so with that being said, I do want to uh, talk to our guest, uh, Mr. Frank James. Welcome, sir. Hello. Uh, yeah, this is the Neighbors Live Cast, and uh, we're so glad to have you here. And. Um, so I always like to start at the beginning with these. Okay. I like to talk about, you know, the origins of, of Frank James, of Frankie J. Uh, so okay. let's start with uh, your actor and a comedian. Did one yeah. come first? Well, actually, the uh, stand-up came first. Oh, okay. Um, it was, oh, a very long time ago. I was celebrating my birthday uh, with um, my sisters. And, and, of course, I was drunk. And he said, of course, I was drunk. Yeah, my birthday, come on. Yeah. So my you won't get up there and do a joke. So I'm like, yeah, yes, because that box was telling me, you're funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went up there, man, did this really dumb joke. And I liked it so much. I said, man, I may try this. And I've been doing it ever since. So here I am. OK. And that look, that's a great segue to the next question. Do you remember the first joke that you wrote? The first joke? that I, oh my God, jeez, uh, <laughs> I, hell no. No, yeah, yeah. It was the, it was the vodka, it was oh, the vodka. vodka wrote that <laughs> joke. It was vodka, it was the vodka, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I know, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, so, um, 
uh, we've uh, interviewed a couple of comedians. Like I said, we had Joe Claire. We talked to um, uh, people like Ralph Cooper and Eddie Brown. Oh, I love Ralph, man. Yeah, really. Back good. in the day, RFD. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, look, we, we, like I said, after we came that first time, we fell in love, we were there almost every week, so. Uh, yes, thank you guys. I miss those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um, I would, um, all of those comedians I've talked to about um, the idea of bombing, and you know, some say it's, it's necessary in the process, some say um, uh, that uh, I, I talked to, who I talked to a couple of people who said, oh, I've never bombed, you know, things like that. And, what? Uh, Come yeah, on, man, yeah. we've so, all bombed. Right, right. So um, let's start with, uh, uh, do you remember the worst time you ever bombed? Yes. I don't want to bring back no bad memories. No, but... no, no. I, yes, I can remember. It was like, it was like yesterday. Right. Um, I'm in Manassas, uh, where there are no Black people. And I was at this <laughs> restaurant. It must have been packed, like 150 people. Mm -hmm. Right? Nice room, lovely place. And I'm the host. There are two other comics with me. So I've never been to the room. I walk in, all I see is white people. All I see. So I knew I was in trouble because even the wait staff was white. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I am in trouble. They sell so, so when I got on stage, I, I'm not making this up. I promise you, I was the only black person in this room. So wow. I'm a little nervous. So mm -hmm. I get on this, I get the mic, I'm like, mm, okay, guys, stop kidding. Where'd you guys hide all the black people? <laughs> Dead silence. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, it was like, hey. they didn't like that at all. Like, oh, where'd man. you guys hide all the black people? I was just like, oh man, crickets. <laughs> they really hate yeah. all the black people, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> like, How did you know? Try the material. You had to try the material. I mean, but anyway, after that, I had to make it up with them, you know, kiss and make up, you know, I mean, well, for me, make it, so here's some Everything was fine after that. So I've seen people, um, I've seen it go both ways, too. I've seen people turn crowds, like, you know, come out, and they don't, you know, nail their first joke, and so, like you said, but then they're able to turn it. And, and bring the crowd back on their side. And then I've also seen people doing really well and with one joke or one mistiming or something turns the whole crowd against them. Like, um, is there like, um, is there a secret to, you know, getting them back once you kind of, if you realize, okay, they're not really with me. Like, is, is there something you can do or you just like dig into your bag of tricks and kind of just see what works? Well, with me, anytime you tell a joke, and you're doing really, really good. You tell one joke that just maybe just a little too far, you know where the line you have to be and not cross it. Because you've not crossed that line, you have to pull it all the way back. And what I would do is I start doing some jokes that I know will work. Okay. Jokes I know will work. Very simple, plain, but I know that will work. And once I get that laughter back, then I keep moving. But that will happen. I'm glad you brought that up because... Yeah. I need to say this, that I know again, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> because it's this one joke, I can tell you right now to the audience, if you're listening, it's not politically correct. Okay. And this one joke was, I got in a lot of trouble with this. Guys, I have found a guaranteed method to get you sex on your first date. I call it the Frankie J 3D method. The 3Ds are dinner, drinks, and duct tape. See, exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. And people are like, what? What did you just say? See, and that just, oh, it was really, really bad because I didn't stop. Yeah. I just, I kept saying, you know what, guys? You'd be surprised to show women that big roll of duct tape, how cooperative they are, especially after you tase them the first time. <laughs> See? It got me in serious trouble. So I feel like yeah. Patrice and I are laughing, and Mike is taking notes. I don't, I'm worried about what we're <laughs> I can, I can like, I mean, I'm not the only sadomasochist here. Am I? All right, all right, all right. No, I mean that's. I think I think to have to have the heart to say what's on your mind and go with it. That's where it goes, and that's what it is. Uh, what I want to know is this: when you up there. And you, you, you're not funny right away. You feel like you're not funny right away. And you can feel the vibe. How do you keep going? How, what, what makes you say, you know what, let me just finish this shit. I mean, how do you, you, ever, you ever get into a rut where it's like, you know, fuck this shit? Sometimes I do. I get into a rut where I am not telling jokes. I am just talking through the joke. Mm -hmm. I have put no character in it. I'm not putting any emphasis in it. I'm bringing up, bringing out the real Frankie. I'm just giving the joke. It's like, uh, I don't feel it because sometimes that does happen. Now I'll tell you what it does. When you are at open mic, this happens a lot. The room is filled of comics, a room full of comics, 50 people, 40 are comics, 10 are just regular customers. Is that so room? Yes, all the comics know your material. Unless you bring something new, and they're just there waiting for their turn not to laugh at your jokes. Right. So right. That can be really so. So, so if you make them laugh, it's a good thing. Yes. And the way how you do that, you throw in some new stuff out of the blue. You just bring that on in. Sometimes it really helps. But mm. keep doing the same material around your buddies, the other comics, and they're in the room. You're gonna get nothing. Right. I've sat in RFD, right? And um, like you said, we went several times. And we've heard the same routine four or five times. But you know what was amazing and what I learned? Sometimes it hit, sometimes it, it missed. Uh, and when it hit, though, when it hit, it was, it, it was fucking exhilarating to be in there. Uh, the dude, uh, Huggy Lowdown. That's what ah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know that dude was such a physical... And that dude, that's the first time I cried in person and laughed at another motherfucker. You understand that? Like, I, <laughs> I mean, he, 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 I mean, you guys work so hard in there. You see y'all work and grind and see how one time it don't, it don't really hit that night. Then another night it's like, damn, I don't, he said the same goddamn thing last week. So. And today is killing because always it's the audience. It's the audience. Always the audience. Sometimes they come to laugh. Sometimes they're just pissed. I'm just here because this asshole drugged me here. So make okay. okay. it He's the asshole. Dave's the asshole drugged me there, right? Yeah. Once, once, we, got there, once we got there, I'm like, all right, cool. Because I was glad to be out the house. We downtown. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we know. Yeah, this is it right here. I'm watching. I'm like, damn. I might get the nerve one day. I don't. I don't know if I'll be as good as Dave. And I was, you know, you were talking about this line, that line. Not the, I don't give a fuck about the line. <laughs> a lot of people do well with that, you know, with that attitude. You know, some people don't make it as well. But, you know, yeah, I, be careful. But 
careful of what because that, that's the thing because everybody is so insensitive now i actually love mean slapstick comedy i love comedy where they're i like don Rickles. oh my god don Rickles would sit there during an interview and just call you all okay and you can't help but laugh because you know it's just it's funny i mean it's funny but I, funny. I, I mean no, I, like, I like corey Holcomb. corey Holcomb is you ever hear you ever see the audience in the corey Holcomb uh event the ladies in that joint, like, if this is their first time, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you had to, I like, I like shit that you get to absorb. Right, yeah, but um, it, uh, he brought up a couple of comedians. So, Frankie, I want to know, uh, starting not even just comedians, who's the funniest person you know? Like, the funniest hands-down person that you know? Or My friend, Tony Woods. Tony Woods, yeah, yeah. Man, let me tell you, some days, Homie had me crying. He had yeah. me crying, man. He is one brilliant comedian, yeah. but an idiot. Brilliant comedian, <laughs> but an idiot. Love my friend. Known him for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a, he's a great. So we did another show before this one called Getting Over the Hump, and we were at the <laughs> National Harbor. And he actually came on, and he's one of the people who said he never bombed. I feel like, but I've talked to other people who said that he wasn't telling the truth. But he's funny to me though. He's funny to me. Yes. He's funny to me. But even when he bombed, he's still fucking funny to me because he's yes. Because he looks like oh, shit. like <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him when he bombed. He looked look to the other comedians at the bar like. Something he'll do is kind of funny. If he bombs, he get ready to leave. He says, "Oh, he gives someone else's name as comedian leaves." <laughs> oh, this is Frankie J. I had a good time seeing you. Oh, wait a minute, host. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's your favorite comedian. I mean, that's the funniest person. So, if you had to give a top five of comedian working comedians right now, right now. Yeah. Well, um, God, see, you're going to make me get into trouble by naming some names. If I leave out someone, you're like, Frank, why you name me? Um, <laughs> Don't worry, nobody sees this anyway. We're, no, I'm just <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you the thing lately, Eddie Murphy's to crack me the fuck up, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Naturally um, funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I'll stop there. Okay. All right, how about this? How about this? How about two or three Netflix specials? Because what happens is I'm uh, something on TV, and you mm -hmm. go through all the stand-up comedians. You're like, if they if it doesn't appeal to your eye, like mm -hmm. Jim Jeffries for some reason, I click on to it. Jim Jeffries is fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. so, you know, Dave likes uh, what's his name? Jim Hannafin. What's his name? Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah, he's coming to town. Uh, I don't like something oh. stupid. It's not funny. It's just like it's oh, <laughs> but I like I like I love comedy. So give me give, give us some ideas of two or three people on Netflix and or Amazon Prime. They're stand up comedy shows that really you know appeal to you. Right, I'm gonna watch them this evening. I'm off tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Dead ass serious. Oh well, let me let me suggest this. Tiffany Haddish. Seen it, the, the, the Black Bar Mitzvah? Yeah. All of it. They ain't ready. That, they ain't ready. And her special, They Ready. Have you yeah. seen that? They Ready. Yeah. Season two. She's on stage, she, she kills it. She's like. Yes. So you got to check that. She brings on several comics on season two, and one of them is Tony Woods. Tony Woods, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. indeed. He killed. He killed. See, exactly. Yeah. So I would definitely do that. 
Um, let's see. That's all I've seen lately, man. I can't think of anything else after that. And I'm trying to push that, so. Because I want you guys to check that out if you haven't seen it. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yes. And he'd get upset if I didn't mention that, because Tony's like killing it on stage, which you'll see. Yeah. Where are you going to be performing that soon? Um, as for me, I'm glad you brought that up, see, because I haven't performed on stage in 15 months because of the pandemic. Right. Most of my friends, they did a lot of like Zoom comedy. Something mm -hmm. I just couldn't do, man. I tried, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't feel that. I need that um, audience energy. So mm -hmm. I haven't worked my next actual job is probably the end of this month. I'm gonna have to do a couple of open mics to get my timing back because I'm sure you guys know about timing. Timing yeah. is everything. Yeah. Yes. We talked about that a little bit about, you know, uh, time. What time is it, Dave? It's, uh, it's, it's now. Time is always now, then. Now. 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 <laughs> time is it, Dave. It's now. Now. It's now. <laughs> Uh, now, so I want to uh, talk a little bit now about the, the the acting side of your career. Uh, like, like uh, you know, I said before we started, like you probably one of the the busiest dudes in this area. You know, um, and I've heard a lot of people talk about you know when when um, when actors gripe about the issues that we have. One of the big things is oh, you can't really do too much in this area. And I always point to people like yourself, uh, people like uh, uh, Marisol Korea. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, 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 Miss Marisol, yes, yeah, it's a worked here recently. On oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, uh, um, I actually met her on the um, the Netflix on the uh, Messiah. Uh, oh, and we talked about another thing I want to talk about with you, uh, with you too, is you're a uh, SAG actor, and yes, I am about SAG, and she's also in it, and um, yes, I'm not, and we I was talking about some of the benefits and uh, things like that, so um. Uh, do you recommend that everybody, you know, all actors join? Is there a certain time you should? I know that you have to have, what, four or five credits before you can... Actually, you have to have what we call three waivers. Let me explain to you what that means. Okay. Anytime you're on a major production, let's say something on Netflix, like a House of Cards, which is was on there, yeah. um, they have a set of, let's say, about 150 people. About 40 of them, 40 has to be set. So if they can actually get the 40 SAG members they need, fine, they go on production. If they can't, they have to bring in non-union, non-SAG people. And those non-SAG people get to work. I'll explain. Thank you. Screen Actors Guild will get to work as a SAG member. Once they get to set and work as a SAG member, they get a waiver for that day. It's a voucher that says, I work on this set as a union employee for this day. You need at least three of those okay. SAG waiver vouchers before you're actually eligible to apply to be a SAG member. And sometimes that can take years. Let me explain that again. Sometimes that can take years to get those three waivers. Sometimes if you're lucky, you might get in a couple of weeks. That's very rare, but most times years. Yes. What's the benefit of the of being in SAG? What's the what's the uh, it's, again the Screen Actors Guild because you're union. That means you get paid union scale for all your work. And what? after eight hours, you get overtime. And there are other what we call bumps. If you work at night, you actually pay for that. If you work around smoke, you get extra pay for that. If you have to have several just changes, you have to get extra pay for that. The stuff like that keeps adding, adding, adding up. So, long to union, 
you still get those bumps and that scale. If you're non-union, you don't get it. Right. And okay. there's other perks too. We're always in the front of the line. All union members, there's time to like what we call eat or break for lunch. We always go first. And sometimes the, what we call crafty, what they serve us is actually different from non-union. Yeah. Pretty yeah. most stuff, non-union gets crafty. Yeah. No, no, it's true. I saw it firsthand on uh, when we did uh, uh, a Messiah. Uh, exactly. We had different temps. We, exactly. The sad got different food they ate first, and you guys ate later with some other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's different. Yeah, I got to peek into the good tent. And uh, but I mean, it's 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 a uh, um it's a kind of food. So it's can't tell a fat motherfucker he got to eat last. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, man. It happens. I'm serious. Yeah. Well, yeah. Part, ladies, kids, children. Then you know what's up. <laughs> But, but no, man, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's just paying your dues. You know, like you said, you have to have three uh, waivers before you can be eligible to sign up. And once you do, it's basically a union for actors. And so- a union for, exactly. But you have to pay, you have to pay up. There is a fee. Dues, yeah, you gotta pay. Yeah, there are dues. And sometimes the dues can be rather large, depending on what part of the country you're working Is there in. another way around this into getting into the field of acting? You can always come in as a non-union person. Yeah. And always That's what I do. I'm non-union. And a lot of people get non-union work on non-union, you know, projects, and they actually get, you know, dialogue. They get to speak and talk and actually have, you know, scripts. Mm -hmm. So it does help. I have done a lot of that. And a lot of my work in the very beginning, when I was doing like a detective or a doctor or a lawyer, and I actually had lines and script. Most of that was non-union. Mm -hmm. Is that fun? Mm -hmm. I love being a detective, man. I love that. You do first in the purse. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably one of the 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 um, the most abundant parts I've seen you play on on some of these um right you know, detective shows and things like that. Um, and sometimes I'm a lawyer, and other times because I'm a black male, of course, I have been a victim. I've been shot, stabbed, set on fire, bludgeoned. Wow. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, one of my cousins. He's not an actor. He's got bad luck. Shit is real life, boy. Speaking of all those jobs that you've done, um, you know, going through your career, because uh, you know, you've done you've done a lot. Uh, does anything stand out in, in the acting field um as like a particularly um uh, let's, let's go on both sides of it. Does anything stand out of where you're like, man, I definitely nailed that. That was great. Uh, let's start with that one. Did you have anything that was like, yeah, I definitely nailed that one? Yes. As a matter of fact, it was something that was on TV uh, about three weeks ago, and it was on Reels. Mm -hmm. Again, it was Murder in the Family. Okay. And um, I played a real live uh, starter who busted these... Um, Purpose for Franklin's murder. Aretha Franklin's dad was shot. He was in a coma for like five years. I busted those people who shot him, some young punks. And I got great reviews from that. And I don't know, some of my best acting, I think. Okay. So my worst acting, my yeah. worst acting. Um, I was on a film for BET, and I was a, a butler doing the uh, prohibition, and I was doing a scene with uh, Bugs Malone, I think, and I was carrying this tray. I was wearing this um, tuxedo. I was like, oh, it was horrible. I wouldn't have done that well. I, I ain't managed. I don't know. 
gonna tell y'all something. I had a job right you know, working in a strip club. They wanted wanted me to wear a penguin suit, black pants, a suit, <laughs> a tie, and um a bow tie, right? And in my pocket, I needed a lighter, a cigar cutter, and um a pen. So if somebody wants a, a cigar, you know, the wine and a wine opener. I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not like no man cigar. I'm not. Then <laughs> the, the lady, she's talking about some. She gave me her panties and she stood on a little table talking about some, you know, so she, so she could get a guy a lap dance. I'm not holding no stripper drawers either. <laughs> she ain't in real life. It's amazing. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. He just wanted to get that story out. It's been on his heart for a while. That's real though. I'm not. I would not walk around as a butler really well. I'm like, man, fuck this butler shit. Be <laughs> a whole nother show. So, uh, yes. So, but thank you for that, Mike. Really appreciate it. But Frank, <laughs> so, so, um, I do want to, you know, because like I said, you know, I'm. I'm working on getting to a, a level with my acting. So I want to ask you, what's the best advice you ever got? And we're going to start with acting. I also want to know about uh, comedy too, but for acting, what's the best advice you ever got? Never give up and apply and submit for every role you think you can get. Okay. And get used to hearing the word, uh, no. Right. And if you are easily dissuaded by no, Acting is not where you want to go because you're going to hear a lot of that yeah. because there are a lot of talented people in this area who are very good actors. Mm -hmm. So get used to that. But if you're thick-skinned like me, mm -hmm. think, no, just keep saying, well, okay, I'm going to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And eventually, I guarantee you, they'll say, man, this guy is persistent. He has a little bit of acting ability. Let's bring him back. And that's how I got so much work, all by the grace of God, of course. But because... Once they see that you're a professional and you know what the hell you're doing, they'll call you back. Cool, cool. And and on the comedy side of it, uh, was it you know any advice that you got from anyone that stands out in your memory? Write every day. That's it. Write every day. De dedicate at least a part of your day and just write every day. And if you are consistent, you may be able to write, let's say, five jokes a day. And out of five, three are trash, two are golden. Okay. Keep that up. Out of five, three are trash, two are golden. And one other thing is, you are never the judge of what is funny. I know it sounds stupid coming from a comedian. What do you mean? No, you are not the judge of what is funny. That's right. What is That's the judge right. of what is funny? The people who you're trying to entertain. That's right. But I don't give a damn if you think it is hilarious That's to right. you. You get the joke, and I'm like, then it ain't funny. And so right. right. this shit ain't going away. Right. Yes. Where, 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 where they hide all the black people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, that's a funny joke. But to them, that shit was kind of funny. It's all about time, baby. Time. Get the white people. <laughs> Just saying. That's my best That's, that's real shit, though. <laughs> but exactly, yeah. real. Yes. So you said that um, you took a... Um, uh, a hiatus during the um, during the pandemic, and, yeah. and you alluded to you said that you know some people were doing the um, the Zoom and the different things like that, but you couldn't do it because uh, you needed. That. I, I noticed that, like, like you said, a lot of people. Um, what's the guy's name that worked with um, Chappelle? That wrote Chappelle show with him, Neil Brennan. Yes, he did, he did the like the what was it like the mic thing on Netflix where it was just him in a room with some microphones and and no crowd. 
you know, and, and like you said, you need that feedback from the crowd, right? Yeah, I can't, man. I, I, I tried. Super Dave, I tried. Like, oh, man, I can't feel it. I can't see people laugh or I can't get the mm -hmm. reaction. What am I doing? I can't do it. I'm sorry. So I laugh. I'm extremely rusty, but give me a couple of weeks, you'll be seeing me. Okay. If, you, okay. if you recorded me by myself and I was talking to myself and you heard the things I was saying to myself and my answers and I was by myself, that might be stupid. <laughs> I don't know. That's, again, thanks for that, Mike. I think the weed is sticking in the mic. I do want to talk to you, Frank, about... Uh, uh, about uh, I'm, no, you, I'm saying, if you stand on stage and nobody's out there, you by yourself, right? Yes. Yeah, but if you didn't know you would be recorded and you were just having this conversation with your own self, tell yourself some things. Okay. I'm, Mike, I know you're smoking, man, but you know, pass this shit. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to talk to you about um, a broken exchange on Cody. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I see that um, it's directed by another alumni of this uh, area of the, the acting. Terry uh, McCain. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A young lady. Um, you know, Beautiful sister, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely talented, and um, yes, a, you know a bunch of stuff, and 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 moving into acting. I mean, moving into excuse me, directing, and she wrote it too, right? Yes, and directed it. Yes, yeah. I was on set. I was one of the actors. Huh? Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you about like that that type of thing, like working with people that you've seen come up through the, you know through the ranks, basically, and seeing them get to a point where they're writing and directing and things like that. It's got to be a good feeling, right, to see the people around you. I am so proud of them, Super Dave, believe me, because we all started together. When I see them do things like this, I love it. And she is a good and outstanding actress and a damn good director. So you see her work and um, a very nice and just a warm, friendly person. Oh, okay. She really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, um, looking at your uh, social media, I saw that you said you're working on something now, right? An uh, acting role? Yes. Actually, I'm working on three. Three things? Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I don't want to, if, if it's something you can't talk about, I don't want to, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I can talk in general terms. Okay. But I can't, yeah, because, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we have what we call an NDA, okay. non disclosure agreement. And we all have to sign that once we get to set and we agree to work. So we can't tell a lot of what we do. But one of the main things I'm working on right now, which I really are kind of excited about, it is a, a new series. It's going to be picked up real soon. It's okay. called The Spook Who Sat By The Door. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, let me explain to you. But see, it sounds interesting, right? It is about a Black young man who becomes a CIA operative. Mm. He's well-trained. He leads the CIA. And he starts training young Black men to overthrow the government. Mm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's coming out. Just be patient, but it's coming. That's deep. That's deep. So, wow. Yeah. I've, and I've heard it because that was a book, right? Yes. Yeah. And now they make, yes. That's, yes, that's it was. Yes. And, 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 yeah, for you to be a part of it, that's amazing, man. Congratulations on getting that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. I, I want to kind of go back to. Um, to you uh, realizing that you had talent and, and then also when you decided to pursue uh, acting and comedy uh, as a career, you know, and then take it seriously. So let's start with, you know, when did you realize, oh, you know, I kind of have some talent. I might be pretty funny and I might be able to do this. Was it a moment or was it just, you know, something that came? Could, um, honestly, when I was in undergrad, 
um, at the University of South Carolina. Okay. And I went to uh, South Carolina um, as a bulldog in Orangeburg. Woo, woo, go bulldog. <laughs> and I was a drama major. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of plays, and that's where I actually got my start with acting okay. in plays on theater. And But when I actually left college, don't let me bore you, but I went to law school. I became a lawyer. I worked. I worked as a lawyer for many, many years. Wow. And um, when I came to D.C. and started working for the federal government, I kept on acting while I was working. And once I actually retired, I started going full force on this and here I am. Right. And <laughs> your, your story is awesome because, you know, so many people put things off and, uh, you know, um, and pigeonhole things like an acting career to, oh, it's a young man's game or, you know, things of that nature. You good? Yes. Uh, my wife just walked in the room, my oh. lovely wife, and she is asking me something. And oh, no, no problem. No problem. <laughs> no, people ask your wife. Right. That's what I say. Wife takes precedence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Of course. Of course. Because I have to live here. Right. This <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Chris, what the hell are you laughing for? You know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry, babe. Okay. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. No my wife was asking me a cooking question. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, I was just saying that, um, you know, uh, your, your story is awesome because, you know, a lot of people pigeonhole, like, uh, things like the entertainment industry, too. Oh, it's a young man's game, and you can't get into it at a certain no. point, things like that. And to see people defy that, because, you know, it, it, it's always, uh, um, and, and it shouldn't even be like, I was about to say it's interesting to me, but it's it's that's if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It's basically what that shows, and um, you know, go for it, and and, and that's dope that you. Can you see that uh, poster behind me? Yeah, it's a mover poster from um, um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. yes, and that's Gail Gadot. She actually signed that for me. Mm. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about, man. I worked on set with her during the filming of that, which is filmed in mostly in Baltimore and in Virginia for right. about 20 days, had a lovely time. She is a beautiful woman, very nice and charming. We had a ball, man. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm so glad that she stayed there freely with your wife being right there. And yes, I'm, you know, I'm yeah, just yeah. <laughs> She know me, she know, she knows, she knows me, man. She's known me for 25 damn years. She'll know me by now, she won't. That's true, <laughs> that's true. And so, oh, every time I see somebody woman, but she keeps laughing, like she knows something. <laughs> <laughs> because you should make some, you should make some merry life jokes. They, you know, uh, I, I have some, but I you definitely, know. definitely had some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's, it's good that you brought that up because our very own Mike has been married for what is it? How long is it now? You about to have listen, it? Listen, you've been married for twenty five years, mm -hmm. and she's still asking you about cooking and what you want for dinner and everything. Yeah, I had these questions already. All right, I'm gonna eat it, Anna. No matter what you make, I'm gonna eat shit. <laughs> My wife hates that answer. I'm sorry. She says, "Honey, what do you want for the cookie?" Now, no, something you hot, tell me what. Something you hot and quick. Hurry up. Because <laughs> if I say whatever you like, what, what, what do you want? No, she doesn't like that answer. She want me to be like, "Say, nigga, you better say what you want to eat." You want me to fry the pork chops or bake them? Oh, bake exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, baby. You know I love your cooking. Well, you fix cook them. Cook them. Just cook and call them when it's ready. That's, I mean, that's it. That's all. Exactly. <laughs> I'm 
this is awesome. Do you think that having a having a spouse, having a, that support system behind you, helped you at all? And you know, in your pursuit of your career. Yes. Yeah. That's yes, absolutely, man. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, man. God sent me that woman. Mm-hmm. Trust me, because mm-hmm. she has kept me, you know, like this. Because otherwise, bro, I don't know where in the hell I'd be. Trust me, I'd be a buck wild Negro somewhere running around, you know, eating berries and twigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But uh, she keeps me focused, man. She keeps me focused, which is a God sent thing. Trust me, because I am a crazy man. Oh, okay. <laughs> what kind of law did you practice? Um, criminal. I did, yeah, that was my thing. I dealt with very, very bad people, you know, drug dealers, murderers, you know, people like you, Mike. <laughs> That's my family. I'm the good one. This my family. No, seriously, I did. I criminal law, but you know, that's another life. This my. I, that's the family I come from. So I say thank you. Oh, you said you're quite welcome. This is great. Best rest. And not like a free criminal offense a defense attorney. I don't know. I actually have no no record. My record. I, I pee in the public. That's it. That's all. That's oh. Good. Sure. Can we get back to the interview now? Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was in my to share that he peed in public. But um, but yeah, man. So uh speaking of your, your previous career, has that so is that why you lean toward those roles of you know detectives and things of that nature? Did that uh, yes, yes, because it's kind of second nature with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, roles about being an uh, an attorney, a lawyer. I'm pretty good at that because I know the lingo and, you know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, it sounds kind of weird to say it, but all my directors say, Frankie had that look. You that, that look, you know what I mean? Yeah. Lawyer, doctor had that look, so, man. yeah. Yeah, that's a kind of that look is. Uh, it's like a lawyer or a doctor, that's good, that's good. Yeah, you've always seen me playing the detective on TV, right? Yeah. Always busting the perps. Mike, I don't know about that shit. <laughs> I was watching um Shut up, Dave. I heard what you said. <laughs> Every time I just try and go right into the next question. But yeah, I was watching um uh recently during the pandemic, I started watching some shows that I had never seen. Was watching V. Yes, I look at the scene and I said, I know that dude. I Me. made all head. I was like, man, this is crazy. So yes. and, uh, so yeah, yes. how, how was that uh, that experience working on V? Some of the best time I've had on the movie set because they had money. Yeah. I mean, they had <laughs> money. No money is serious. Ridiculous money. And let me give you an example. You know, on set, when we have, you know, meals, breakfast, lunch, and wherever, however long we're there, where we eat is called crafty. Mm-hmm. That's where we go. And they're crafty, they would have lobster, mm. filet mignon freshly squeezed orange juice. They had an omelet station in the morning made to order, but whatever you want to make, they'll make wow. it for you. Wow. Tell me, they had money, money, mm. baby. Trust so, me. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of went backwards with uh, that. So uh, my first acting job, I um, had, because, you know, I started out in music. So I um, they had a contest for Pizza Hut for a jingle for the 2012 Super Bowl. And that was the first thing I did. And then when uh, they uh, won the contest, they put me out to Cali. I did the commercial and they had that stuff. And so um, in that experience, I was the talent. 
So I had like handlers, I had uh, the crab thing, like you said, the omelet station. I never even seen an omelet station. <laughs> but they had, and the guy was just there, what, what do you want? And he's putting everything in there and all that. It's a beautiful situation. And then I came back and, you know, from that, uh, you know, I performed doing music before, but I hadn't acted. And so from that, I kind of got a feel for it. I'm like, I want to do this. So I started doing the auditions and stuff and I was the cattle calls and it was just a whole nother world. And, uh, you know, it's a lot different from being the talent and being, the, you know, and starting at the bottom. It was just an interesting transition, you know. Yeah. And COVID kind of changed a lot of stuff because now there's trying to do like, you know, contactless serving of yeah, food. Yeah. So they bring you like a box lunch, man, which is crap to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the we sold it back to, you know, real food, but during that pandemic, it was in a box, man. It was crap. Yeah, the, the, the auditions just stopped. And then they started doing a lot of, uh, you know, um, self-tapes. Yes, like, I'm doing that now. Like I had that. two today. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's a good uh, a good thing to talk about also is auditioning. So let's start with uh, your worst audition you ever had, if you remember what it was, and then any tips you have for auditioning. So let's start with, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the worst audition I ever had was when a, this is old, man, many years ago, and I was trying to do a lot of things. So I had like three or four scripts, and I was trying to memorize the scripts. So we were doing then in-person auditions. Mm -hmm. So I came to the audition, and the director says, action. I can remember a fucking word, man. Oh, wow. But not remember a word. And wow. then I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me start over. That's comedy, baby. That's yeah. <laughs> what you said? What you said? So, you said, OK, Frank, start again. He says, action. And I start giving my spiel. It was real smooth. And then at the end, he says, Frank, that's not the script we sent you. Oh, it was the wrong one. <laughs> I was doing the script of something else. Like, so I was doing like three or four. And, and I, I oh, was, man. That was just horrible. He said, Frank, it was beautiful. The thing was, he said, oh, Frank, that was beautiful. But then the script we sent you. <laughs> 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 So, you know, um, as they get back, like you said, uh, everything's kind of kicking back off and people are getting back into auditions and things. What what advice or tips do you have for, for people going to these auditions? Um, how, to, how to really, you know, nail it or at least do a good job? Right now, most of the auditions are actually by Zoom. Mm -hmm. So there's very, 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 very few where they are actually live. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I can tell you is I would suggest three things. They actually say what you call, when you're doing auditions called sides, S-I-D-S, what the script is. They send you sides, always, always practice with somebody. Don't rely on you trying to, no, no, no. Practice with somebody and keep the lines are packed and they're with you, then you're good to go. And what I would do sometimes, the script is very long. I would actually record it myself on my phone and then I take my headset and all day long, whatever I am doing, if I'm washing dishes, I'm in the yard, whatever I'm doing, mm -hmm. I am listening to that until it's ingrained in my head, especially if you have like three, four pages of dialogue and you have to memorize that, like within two days, you got to be on that. So I would suggest that helps me to have it in my head and play over and over in a loop. And just whatever I do in the day, I just keep on doing it until it's in my head. Now, that's one. The second thing is, 
never do an audition, especially Zoom, with a background like I got. I'm at home, this is my where I live, this is cool. Right. But for an audition, this is crazy. Because what's going to happen is, who's ever watching you is going to be distracted by all this crap behind you. Right. So what you need is a blank screen. I would suggest just getting a green screen, something I, I have several. Just slip it over the back of your chair to block out all that's behind me. So all you're focusing on is you okay. and the director and the script. Because all that stuff behind that, he's going to be like, what is, why are you? It's very distracting. That's it. Okay. Yeah. That's great advice. Great advice. I just want to make sure. Patrice, did you pass out? Are you okay? No, I was oh. trying to get my my phone is, was about to die, so I had, it's two percent. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and I had to turn the light on. Yeah, no, the way it just tipped over kind of abruptly. I was like, oh, it's, uh, you got to send Frankie over to investigate and see what's. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure Mike didn't do nothing. <laughs> Good morning, y'all. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the crazy. I'm crazy. Well, you know, everybody has a certain level of crazy. But um, so the the craziest, like, I went on an audition once, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it was at American University. It was a, a black production, and I forgot the name of it, but I saw it on um, on, on backstage, and mm -hmm. uh, they they uh, sent me the script. And it was kind of vague, but it was, you know, they got into a little bit of the scene. So I, I came in and as I'm doing the scene, the, the director is giving me notes. And it turns out that um, it was about like a black family that was uh, from the deep south and mm -hmm. they were um, incestuous cannibals. And um and what? that wasn't really yeah and so and that wasn't really explained in the size or in like the the ad for it on on uh, backstage so as they're explaining oh. it to me, I'm realizing I don't want to do this this is not <laughs> nothing, you know it might have been no you know, no no you're gonna get back to the, to the picture then give me the whole picture no so but anyway those were two powerful dynamics yeah, exactly. and cannibal, cannibal? yeah cannibalism and so it was it was interesting so I say all that to say. Um, has there been any situations you've been like in the middle of the like audition or something and you realize this is probably something I shouldn't be at or shouldn't, you know, be doing or, or uh, you know, because I need to get the hell out of here. Right. And that's basically how I was feeling is what can I do to, you know, I just tell them I got an emergency and I need to. Yeah. Well, honestly, that has never happened to me. Um, okay. I've always been on a professional production. And I'm going to be honest with you, whatever they ask of me as an actor, I will do it because that's I'm an actor. I will do it. And I'll give you an example. It's not something, here's an example. Um, it was for a uh, TV show called um, Copycat Killers. Mm -hmm. It's on uh, ID Channel, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And I was a old man walking down the street and I get robbed by these young punks. And I tell them I don't have any money. And I thought they were gonna let me go. So I have my hands up, I turn around. He shoots me in the back of the head. Mm. I have to fall now, face down, like that. That shit hurt. <laughs> it took 15 takes oh, for oh, me to God. fall right. Now, I ain't through 15 takes to fall right. Because said, Frank, that's not a good fall. Because, you know, I'm trying to fall right, but I don't want to hurt myself. Because right, yeah. Exactly. So um, 
I finally says, fuck it. I'm just going to fall. And I fell. And I'm like, bam. I fell so hard that the, my back and my legs flew up in the air and fell down. So, oh, that's the one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they want that so I'm just business. telling you, whatever it takes, you do that. Because that's what we do. I've played some lot of really bad, ugly, vicious people, too. So, yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. Some of that uh, what, what, what part would you, uh, incest, incestuous cannibalism? Oh, well, that's, <laughs> I was what, setting up was, the question. That's all. Don't focus. What, what part was your part, Dave? What was your part? The, the thing that the Ray I found out was uh, the, the way I was reading the dialogue was talking to, um, uh, of the female character and they had her there and we were reading back and forth and the director stopped me and was like no you have to understand this is your sister and you're upset with her because she won't sleep with you and I was like whoa 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 what, um, what, what now and then they went through the stuff and it, it was it was just bonkers so but and 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 it wasn't even as much of, uh, because I don't mind doing, you know, whatever it takes, but the story was just so out there. It's like, I don't, I just didn't, you know, feel, you know, uh, comfortable being a part of a, a terrible story like that. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But yeah, no, that's great advice though, is, is do what you gotta do, you know. But I've been a zombie, man. I would a love zombie. to be a zombie though. I would love I've to been be a zombie. Thing. Like I'm yeah. looking for a good zombie movie. Actually, um, there is a, you know, the, the Walking Dead. Yeah. And yeah. there's a spinoff called The Walking Dead World Beyond. Mm -hmm. It's on AMC. Right. And I am a zombie. Oh, I'm really? Zombie. Yes. I played a zombie. And let me, can I, can I run this by you? Here's the deal. Sure, sure. To be a zombie, you have to go to zombie school. I'm not making this shit up. Okay. You have to go to zombie school to be a zombie on AMC. I went to zombie school, and the first thing they teach in zombie school is, oh, let me let me back up. Day one of zombie school, there's 200 of us. Mm -hmm. Now that 200 says, you know, I'm gonna take us 40. So the rest of y'all ain't gonna make it. So wow. Two of us in the room. They're taking 20 at a time into a separate room. You get us 20 in the room, and the director says, who doesn't like barbecue pork? You think that's kind of a stupid question? Who doesn't like barbecue pork? About five, six people raise their hand. He's okay, good. Get out. He did it with every 20 groups. They bring him in. They ask that one question. Who doesn't like barbecue pork? You know, get out. So he wiped away about 50, 60 people just like that. Why? Because when zombies eat people, they're not eating people. They're eating barbecue pork. Oh. So if you have a scene, you have to eat a brain or a head or whatever you have to eat. You're not eating people. They eat people? No, they eat barbecue pork. That was Dave's move. You gotta bounce. So day one, they were gone. Wow. Just say. So you ate a lot of barbecue pork. Yeah, well, if you want to be a zombie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool though, man. I'm definitely gonna check for that episode, man. That's, okay, I, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, like I said, I'd love to be a zombie. I know uh, you know, uh the young lady we spoke about Mer, so I know she does. She has a zombie on the original yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, Ocean I believe. Right. Yeah. 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 She is a wonderful woman, man. Uh, I worked with her, like I said recently, on uh, Spook. Okay. The Spook is set by the door. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting, getting more and more interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, <laughs> do you have any uh, release dates for anything, or any idea when stuff is coming out? 
Um, the, the first I heard it would be probably November when stuff we're actually filming right now mm. come out. So yeah, November. If well, let me let me put a caveat to that. You know, we're having a spike in COVID, and God right. knows where it'd be in November because you know we have crazy you know Republicans who don't believe in vaccination. So yeah, yeah. So there's a lot yeah. going on. With yeah, man. And we keep trying to persuade people to take this, offer them money, lottery tickets, free beer, pizza, donuts, and they still will not take it. So I say. Good, kill them off. Well, we have on this show. We, we have. <laughs> Think about it, man. If you, there is concrete evidence that the vaccines work. Right now, I think ninety-five and ninety-six percent of the people in the hospital and dying are unvaccinated people. If that one fact don't convince you to save your own neck. You should be killed off anyway because your gene pool ain't functioning correctly. <laughs> mostly Republicans, I'm just saying. Mostly Republicans. Those Republicans. And I say good riddance. Well, you know, the, the Republicans have, uh, you know, so uh, I'm see if uh, Patrice or Mike have any. Uh... Well, I'm self-governed, so I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I understand your point. Yeah, because yeah, this is crazy. My wife just told me I couldn't tell the truth just now. What? <laughs> Your wife said what? You couldn't tell the truth? Yeah. She told you be quiet then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, but but yeah, man, uh, COVID is, uh, you know, ravaging the country. There's it, a lot going on. Like you said, the spikes are going up. So, but you said um, if, uh, you know, if all of that, doesn't take a play, probably November we'll be seeing yes. stuff. Yes, yes. But as for my stand-up, I'm trying my best to be on stage sometime by the end of this month, the first of next month, because I need to get my timing back. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to have Patricia over too, so she can help me write some jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about writing jokes, but I want to do voiceovers at some point in my life. Oh, so. well, cool. Yeah, so if you have some tips for that, then not, yeah. What kind of what I got is a some casting companies you should apply to and go from there. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, you have to put your name out there. Only way to do yeah. that, you have to submit. And whatever they need, just do it. It's not rocket science. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a rocket scientist, so, you know. Oh, there we go. Uh oh, there we go. <laughs> Oh, I'm on a rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. See, I know. Like, I know, bro. I know, man. Book some of that wacky weed. My favorite rocket ship. My favorite rocket ship. There you go, man. I hear you, baby. But, um, yeah, um, man. You alluded to the poster of Gal Gadot behind you. Um, yeah. You uh, meet her and kick it with her. Is there anybody else that you, um, is there anybody who you really wanted to meet who you've had a chance to and anyone who you haven't who you'd like to meet? Um, it's going to sound kind of weird, but I would love to meet Tom Hanks. Okay. I was in a, actually, I was in a movie with him a very long time ago. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. It was um, 
Um, ah, what was the name of that movie? Oh my God. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. Right? Yeah, so many. You can't think of the name. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it was, um, I would come to me, but it was a very old movie back in 1978. No, 1981. 1981. Uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. 1991, you mean? No, no, that was uh, 80. No, no, Forrest Gump. It was, um, no, Forrest, 87, I think. No, it was before the 1990s, wasn't it? Forrest Gump before 1990s. No, yeah, it had to be something because Forrest Gump came out in the 90s. Yes, Forrest Gump. We're filming that. And I was in a scene with him, but I did never get a chance to talk to him because to me, I think he's an outstanding actor and I would love to like, talk to him like one-on-one. -on -one. I never get a chance to do that. Okay. Um, one person I did meet and I was totally fascinated by, um, um, let's see, uh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> never mind. I should have said, uh, never mind. Okay. Because <laughs> you're going to think, what the hell do you mean by that? Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the platform. Yeah, yeah, you want to get out there. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Kevin Spacey. Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. Okay. I wanted to meet the man, and I work on uh, House of Cards almost every episode, I mean, almost every season, at least two or three episodes. So I spent a lot of time around the man, and, yeah. and he is a chain smoker. People probably don't know that. He smokes. He's like a chimney. So when we break, and he sits normally alone away, and every now and then I would walk and we just talk and we talk about things. And he is an amazing man, an amazing actor, brilliant in my opinion. Um, fun, funny, great guy. At the time, I didn't know he had these issues. Right, right. <laughs> so that's why I didn't want to bring it up, but he never hit on me. Just right. <laughs> but the man is. Is it, is I, it, I love the man. He's yeah. as an actor. Oh my God, he's yes. He is, and it's interesting you would say that. I actually uh, worked on the first season mm -hmm. of, um, of House of Cards, and that, that must be that difference between like the union and the non-union. Because so um, that first uh, week we were shooting, there was uh -huh. a scene where he walked out of this uh, uh, government building, and there was a homeless guy outside screaming, and he calms the guy down, and all this. So. Inside the, the scene starts him coming out of the building. So inside the building was the staging area for the extras. So we were all in there. And uh -huh. we were sitting in there. And so the the uh, production assistant comes over before the scene starts and then she's like, Okay, uh, Mr. Spacey's coming in here. We need you guys not to look at Mr. Spacey, not to talk to Mr. Spacey, not to think about Mr. Spacey. Mr. Spacey needs a space to work. No, but he would walk in and he was, you know, of course polite. He would just, you know, chat with us and stuff, but you know, once they started shooting, his process was so he was so focused. Yes. And, and just uh, and and you know, just pinpoint on what he had to do. He would stand there and go over for a second, take a deep breath. Then they call action. He'd go out and go and just nail it every time. Of course, it was it was David Fincher was directing, so he did like thirty takes. But every time he nailed it and it was on point, it was it was yes. awesome to see him work. Um, like you said, I had man. no idea that he was, you know, had that. Me either. Outside. And I've been talking to him like I'm talking to you right now, man. Yeah. yeah. And so it was yeah. an interesting experience. But yeah, so Space, Space is, a, you know. He's a cool brother, man. I'm, I'm just saying. he's And he's funny as shit, man. Yeah, yeah. He's the practical joker. He does practical jokes on set. Oh, okay. I don't like that. Yeah. We didn't get to, like I said, we couldn't really, you know, they said don't look, don't talk to him or look at him. Yeah. 
that nature, you know, we would the uh, non-union extras. They kept us in a cage, and uh, you know, gave us <laughs> no, that wasn't it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, we coming up on eight thirty, man. I'm so glad that you had a chance to do this. So there are two questions that I always ask every guest. Sure. Um, and I'm gonna ask. I always enjoy the answers that I get. They're a little introspective. Uh, the first one is, if you had an opportunity to talk to a younger version of yourself, um, if you could go in, the, get in a time machine and go back to, you know, um, let's say, you know, a 21-year-old Frank James and you're just starting out, a fresh young buck, and all the wisdom, everything you've been through, everything you know, what would that conversation be like? What would you say to, to that young man? I would say, Frank, in about 10 years, you're going to meet this woman. Her name is Teresa. You're going to marry her. Run! Run, man! Just run! <laughs> oh my God! No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, what I would, no, no, I'm kidding. But what I would say is, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Stay focused because the small stuff is going to distract you left and right. If you do that, it's going to take you off course because, brother, sometimes shiny things attract me. Shiny things. And I get distracted and doing some shit I should not be doing. Right. Just stay focused, man. And if I had I done that, I'd probably been off, probably a lot better than I am right now. I'm not complaining because I have a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. But things would be a lot better had I just said, you know, just stop going over here. Leave that shit alone. You know what I'm saying? They always say grass is greener on the other side. Do you know why? Those bitches be using fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's a great answer, man. I appreciate that. And the, the other question is, um, you know, uh, like I said, you've done a lot of jobs um, uh, act between acting and stand-up. You're, you know, typically a lot of people, there's a lot of eyes on you at any given moment. When people see Frank James, Frankie J, what is it that you hope they see? A bright statesman who is funny sometimes. That's it. Because I'm going to be honest with you, man, being a lawyer, that politics, that stuff is in my head. Mm -hmm. I it's just in me I, and I can't shake it so a lot of times I'm kidding around but I am so serious about the issues of our country very very serious and sometimes I make jokes about that but believe me if we don't correct the trajectory our government is in people we're going to be in a world of hurt mm -hmm. a world of hurt if we don't straighten out our issues in this country. It may get them down to, you know, civil war. I know I say that and I'm serious. It may come down to that. If we don't get our act together, mark my words. All right. Oh, Frank, so please, oh go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say if I could interject, I used to work for a law firm downtown DC and I was gonna ask you how you um, because lawyers are, you know are usually very serious and i was like Always. maybe he, maybe he puts his some of that material uses some of that um as a driving force of some of his material for comedy um i do 
Thank yeah. you for asking. Because sometimes yeah. I do try to write political jokes. Sometimes mm -hmm. it hits home really good. And sometimes it just does not because a lot of people are not really paying attention. I know what I hate yeah. to say. They're not paying attention to things mm -hmm. that are going on around them. It's kind of, you tell a joke and think that's funny. Yeah, well, uh, no. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. They explain mm -hmm. the joke. It ain't funny. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, definitely, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Sure. It's great. Like I said, it's been a, a pleasure watching you, you know, your career, watching you ascend. I'm, you know, always following, you know, what, what you're doing and stuff. And then, you know, uh, uh, just, just trying to pick up little notes and see what I can feel. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it working, not literally still, right? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, Super Dave, man, it's been a pleasure. Mike, Patrice, I love you guys, man. And thanks for inviting me. Invite me back one day when things are back to normal. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, right. and I'm going to reach out to you about the info. We're going to come check you out, you know, doing yes. the stage. Thank you, sir. All love right, you guys. thank you. Peace. All right. A pleasure, man. Have a good one. You too. And then there were two. Yeah, he's a great guy. You know, like I like him a lot. Hardworking man. You know how hard it is to be be a professional individual dedicated and then go out and branch off and do something else. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting that his story went yeah. that way. Let me do this real quick. Thank you guys for checking out another episode of Neighbors Livecast. I'm Super Dave, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible. On behalf of myself, Mike, <laughs> Patrice, and our... Look, I almost forgot to do it. On behalf of myself, Mike, Patrice, and our illustrious guest, Frank James. Thank you so much. Like, why do you have a full-size mattress in the back? King-size <laughs> bed. I want a king-size bed. It's a king-size bed. Hey, hey, look. Walk me in my bed. <laughs> yeah, you laying down. Yeah, I'm sitting there. Chilling. Huh? Chilling. Chilling. That's what it is. So that's what we do. But peace, y'all. Check us out next week. We'll be back with more entertainment, more uh, interviews, more fun. Oh, next week we got Caroline Phillips, the lady who put on the uh, the, the National Cannabis Festival. Mm -hmm. We're really excited about that. Check us out next week. <laughs>